When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi. Siri. Welcome to High Theory. In this podcast, we get high on the substance of theory. I'm Sharonik Boshu. And I'm Kim Adams. We are two tired academics trying to save critique from itself. Welcome to this episode, which is a very, very special episode. It is a crossover with the amazing podcast, Diaspora Stan. And we have with us two podcasters, Aditya Desai and Maria Mehmood. And I will ask Aditya and Mariam to introduce themselves. Hi, nice to meet you. Nice to be on this podcast. So I'm Mariam. I wear a lot of hats. I am an academic. I like to think of myself as a writer, an activist, campaign a lot of things. And I do a lot of interfaith work. In my day job, I lecture at the University of Birmingham in the UK, where I teach in the theology department and I support the director. In our work at the moment, we work on uh, faith-based leadership because what is academia without any social impact? So that's me. I'm Aditya Desai. I'm a writer and editor based in Baltimore, Maryland in the United States, and I am an adjunct professor of writing. You know, I will be asking the our standard three questions about the word diaspora. But before that, if you can tell our listeners a little bit about the podcast Diaspora Sun and especially how it came about, what was the inception of the idea? How did you guys meet? We've never actually met in person. Uh, yeah, we've never <laughs> actually met in person. Uh, I think we have been Twitter mutuals for a while, but then um, you know the way that things have gone in the past year with the pandemic and everyone's kind of reconfiguring their um, their their, their mm-hmm. social networks and their relationships in life. You know, you kind of just begin to talk and gravitate to different people. And yeah, so I think we started talking a little bit more and gradually that kind of grew into an online friendship. And we had our friendship and we had a lot of stuff we talked about in terms of uh, obviously writing, that was a shared interest. And then obviously all of these conversations regarding, you know, uh, diasporic or diasporan representation or whatever these, you know, the buzzwords that we hear all the time. So we, we, we thought, talked about that, but then all of this stuff was happening in the backdrop. I think we recorded our first Diasporistan episode around independence weekend last year. So we were discussing what nations mean to us and what is, what is our identity basically. And it was a really cool opening because 
you know, we hadn't met in person. We didn't even know each other's stories in, in that depth. So I thought it was wonderful to kind of bridge so many gaps um, as we went along. And, and the name was interesting because when Aditya thought of the idea, like, okay, let's do this podcast. And I said, yeah, sure, why not? How do we place this in the terrain of podcasts by so many other millennials? I came up with the name, though, so I'm just I'm going to take credit for that. Yeah, it's what's really interesting. I think that you know the the suffix "stan." It's it's this. On the one hand, of course, it's it's a you know it's a name. Of, it's it marks a place, but it also is so entrenched in the nostalgia and the longing of what you know the kind of sort of broad emotions that characterizes the diaspora. I hope that we can talk more about the podcast in in our conversation. So, what the heck is diaspora? Well, here. So before before we kind of logged on, I was thinking to myself, like, where where did I first come into contact with this word? Because I don't think that's something I was very that mm-hmm. that was not a word that I used or thought of or even knew growing up in the U.S. Um, that was not you know when we talked about like uh, the South Asian community or, or the Indian community or, or Gujarati community around town. Like those those weren't the ways that you thought about it, right? And I think so. It is, so it, it it does have like kind of this wonkish academic tinge to it um because it does mean something right. specific it does mean you're applying a certain lens or or a way of thinking about how people connect um and how people come together so i guess there's that to it but i think even more what diaspora means to me beyond just the very nature of like peoples across the world is a sense of community making and a sense of place making um that it is an attempt to if not be geographically bound um, together yeah. to somehow maintain all of the other bonds that do create a culture and do create a peoples. And how can those be sustained or maybe changed or adapted? And then what is that kind of ongoing uh, evolution that uh, a society takes when it's not linked to any specific place? I, I would probably just add to that. Um, I th- remember you know, before I started teaching, students what is diaspora I had to go to the root word and think about it in detail and it, it it's this dispersion of people who are not territorially bound so as that they were saying about community making and uh, construction of belonging identity uh comes out of you know this what I would I would say is this chaos is this chaotic sense of being where you're not firmly planted anywhere and you know when we talk about roots or we talk about uh, this sense of heritage um it's almost like we're harking back to like uh an ancestral belonging to a a, a, a rooted in in a in a piece of land or a territory but we are not territorially defined we're not bound in a diaspora we're from all sorts of places and as we become more multicultural as a global society um i think it's really important to realize that even you know across the course of our show we have you know we've changed a little bit the the, the trajectory we always knew this would be the case initially we start off with a south asian perspective because obviously both of us i have a pakistani heritage and aditi has indian heritage so for us it was through the lens of a south asian diaspora initially but now as we 
you know, the, the podcast grows, we have increased number of episodes, new guests, they come from all parts of the world and they're multiple diaspora. So one of our friends we've recently recorded with, well, uh, he's a former um, academic or, you know, somebody who graduated in the same cohort as I did from my undergrad. And he uh, is of Fijian heritage, but he grew up in Canada, but then he went to university in the UK and now he lives in, um, not in Fiji anymore, but he'd been living in Singapore for a long time. So, you know, when we talk about this idea of third culture kids, it's much more than just any third culture. It's a multi-dimensional, multi-dynamic uh, diasporic identity. So I think that's um, that's interesting to see the development of the meaning of the term diaspora for ourselves as the hosts of this pos- of this podcast. Yeah, there's also so it, there's also like this. It's uh, it's simultaneously something that is that it, being in a diaspora does bring the sense of like loneliness or or, or maybe a better word is uh, or longing. You know, to to use the word you used before. Um, but it also there's something liberating about it too. And it, I guess it kind of depends on each person and kind of what their experience is. But there is this idea of like you can choose to be within a diaspora um, or you can kind of um, move within a diaspora to different parts of it, right? Um, You're not uh, necessarily tied um, to one kind of sense of identity. You indicated a move from diaspora as a sense of identity and belonging to diaspora as a method of thinking, which makes it really easy for me to ask you my next question, which is how do we or how do you? use diaspora (laughs) i think it becomes like an easy placeholder a lot of the times and kind of a label under which to organize and bring people together i think you know and we think a lot about this with any kind of label or like demonym or what what have you you know it's it's uh are these are these terms literal to what they denote or are they or are they a intentional like political construction to say that these are the people under this umbrella and this is who we kind of represent. I mean, I think diaspora can kind of function, at least to me, whenever I use it, is functioning in that way, um, where I'm, I, I, I feel as if I'm talking about a group of people who have some shared, um, uh, shared uh, intentions or shared values or shared goals um, that they can come together on, uh, whichever diaspora they may be defined as. Yeah, I think um, for me, when I think of the word or how I use the word in many different ways, so keeping aside this idea of being a diaspora, but when I when I use the word, it's much to do with the cultures and the creation of cultures um, and traditions held by a group or a community of people who may hail or have some, you know, heritage broadly defined. Um, in a place or time period uh, or setting, um, it, it's really it's really broad, and I feel like, like I said earlier, it's it's ever evolving, it's ever changing. The nature of it, like doing this podcast, has really pushed me, and I'm sure with Ithi and I, we always have these conversations of, you know, where is our podcast headed? How are we defining it? What is the theme we're working on here? You know, so. Um, with that in mind, right. I think that's kind of forced me to reinterpret diaspora continuously. Um, so using the word, like much like they said, it would be community, but for me, it's also much to do with 
culture and to do with understanding oneself and one's position in a wider world. Yeah, I think it's also like an act of reclamation too. Because mm. um, diaspora, the, the, also the word, it to me anyway, it connotates this feeling of like fracture and break, right? Um, that uh, it's kind of started from like this one nucleus and now it's just kind of seeping out into all these different directions. Um, and so a lot of the times to to call yourself a member of a diaspora or to say that this is X di XYZ diaspora is, is, is an act of reclamation of, um, of where you're from, but also kind of where you are now. Amazing. So I think, you know, my last question is the broadest one, but also possibly much easier to answer, which is how will diaspora save the world? <laughs> how will diaspora save the world? I mean, I, I don't know if uh, diaspora will, s s maybe it can. I don't know, Miriam, do you, do you, I'm forming an answer, but do you have something? I think it can. For me, I think diaspora, maybe I'm feeling very positive today, who knows? But in this moment in time, as somebody who believes in the power of dialogue and communications as a way of you know, demystifying misconceptions or you know, doing away with prejudices and stigmas, um, I think that the diasporas the multiple diasporas, wherever they may be, hold a lot of power and strength in their ability to break down barriers, to inform people about the plurality of visions and voices found within a particular community. And also, uh, they can serve as a wonderful tool to uh, communicate different ideas, educate people about what they might, you know, even fears that they might have of not knowing about these people who might be different from them. Um, so yeah, I think in terms of dialogue potential, in terms of learning, and also I really think um, in a way that there is no such thing as the differentiation between what is a migrant or somebody who is a diasporan as opposed to what is a native, maybe inhabitant of a, of a place. It's, it's really um, porous, that boundary. Right. And I think a lot of that is to do with the ability of the diaspora to really immerse itself and create a new normal. It's steering the, not only the meaning, but the trajectory of what our world will look like. So, yes, it has a huge power to change the world. And I think it can be yeah. done for the better. And if we, you know, if we continue to ally right. uh, without, yeah. you know, as Audrey Lord says, without like d diminishing those differences, but actually celebrating them. I've really misquoted her there, but that's kind of, you know, we don't have to have a shared future in which we're all the same. Yeah, ex <laughs> I, I think you're right. So when uh, when you asked how will diaspora save the world, maybe this is betraying too much about the things that I think about um, uh, when, uh, uh, during my life. But um, the first thing that came to mind when you said save the world was like, I, I thought of like Black Panther, like when that movie came out. It was this moment where... Um, there was a sense of what the black diaspora is um, and what it can be. And especially because it was this fantasy, it was a sense of imagining what more could be there and how there's different visions of what a black diaspora could be. Um, I think it's kind of what Tamarium is getting at. It is this, um, when we're not, when we're not tied to a specific physical location, um, diaspora is this act of imagination yeah. and it is this act of projection of what is possible. So I think to answer your question of how can diaspora save the world, it is at a time when 
um, imagination seemed to be shrinking. Mm. Um, and there seems to be such a growing tide and a growing presence of rigidity and orthodoxy and um, clinging to um, the past, which in sometimes diaspor- diasporic uh, can, be, uh, can be guilty of as well. Um, there is also the possibility of uh, recreation and rejuvenation and, and imagining um, what uh, yeah. what a more multiplicity to I think Mary to use your word from earlier what a multiplicity of experiences can be and I think if that's something that we can that I think all people can adopt um, mm-hmm. as that kind of diasporic framework of looking at their own lives and looking at how they connect with other people in the world um, that might be a way of saving it that was beautifully put before we end can I quickly ask you about the immediate projects for diaspora stone you have in mind what's what's next what's new <laughs> we have yet to have that conversation it's you can have it here <laughs> no it's fine i i'm laughing no i'm laughing because um we've been planning a meeting constantly like okay so you know half a dozen a dozen or so guests right. lined up and looking at the guests that i have not <laughs> shared with aditya yet um there are quite a few themes there uh, especially to do with um I would like to think women's rights uh, and environmentalism, uh, which might be a bit of a shock to Lithia, but <laughs> that's, that's it. Uh, global feminism and environmentalism through cultural and faith-based perspectives. Um, Aditya, have you hidden something from Mariam that you want to share in this space? <laughs> no, no, I'm, I, I, I wait to be shocked. Brilliant. Well, <laughs> I'm going to wait for those episodes to come out. And um, thank you so much, Mariam and Aditya, for coming to High Theory and explaining Diaspora to us and also talking about the wonderful podcast that is Diaspora Stan, which we will link in the show notes. Thank you for having me. Thank you. It's wonderful. And thank you for listening to High Theory. If you like our podcast, please review and subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, Patreon, or wherever you get your podcast fix. Sharonic Bosu manages our social media presence. Owen Quinn composes our theme music, and Kim Adams and Sharonic Bosu edit our audio. You can also find us at hightheory.net. We hope you have a highly theoretical day.